It is my joy to be with you this morning. Uh, the year 1969 holds several meaningful points in my life. First of all, uh, I graduated from high school, 1969, in a school back in Michigan. But that same year, my folks moved to Montana, and my dad settled in a little town called Glendive, Montana. And there I met a young lady. Her name was Helen Wood. And uh, she became, in 1975, my bride. <coughs> She's not able to be with me today. She works part-time and not able to travel with me all the time, but I'd uh, love to have had her with me. 1973 holds some interesting dates in my mind as well, because in 1973, I graduated from Moody Bible Institute, and that fall, I began my pastoral ministry up in a little church called Sims Community Church, just west of Great Falls. And uh, the Lord blessed us there with about three and a half years of ministry. But I had a real burden in my heart to further prepare myself for where God was leading me into ministry. And so I stepped down from that pastorate, and in January of 1977, I enrolled at MIB over in Lewistown and completed my BA degree there, and then went on to Grace Seminary and did my doctoral work out in Pennsylvania. That's my academic journey. And I learned in all of that time that academic journeys only have one real meaningful purpose, and that's preparation for service. And I have been blessed as God has led me into pastoral ministry. I not only pastored there in Sims, but in Indiana and Michigan, and most recently out in Pennsylvania. And we left the pastorate in Pennsylvania and God brought us to the state of Colorado. We're headquartered in the Denver metro area, and there I serve as a director of Rocky Southwest Bible Church Extension. Our primary goal is church planting, and we refer to it as Rocky Southwest because we serve churches in Colorado, eastern Utah, Arizona, and we serve New Mexico in the western part of Texas. So we have a pretty large geographical area in which we seek to implant the vision of God for the reproduction of churches into communities where there is a need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. A lot of times when I talk about church planting here in the States, people say, well, Paul, aren't there enough churches already? And I don't always enjoy doing stats and doing demographic studies and all of that, but I came across some research that was done by the American Church Council that's not quite right. But, uh, um, but they did some research within evangelical Christianity. And as I looked at some of the research that they pulled together, I realized that although we are a growing, diverse population, the need for church planting is still very prevalent. According to this organization's research, in the state of Colorado, less than 10% of the population attend an evangelical church on any given Sunday. Here in Montana, it's about 7.9%. Over in Utah, it's about 1.9%. And so I looked at some of those stats and I said, you know, uh, there are a lot of churches, but two things enter into that factor. Number one, a vast majority of the population of the United States 
have no connection with the evangelical church of any flavor at all on a given weekend. And secondly, churches are closing more rapidly than churches are being planted. And so the evangelical church, and the, 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 for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is a, a vast and growing need within our own culture, within our own society, for men and women who see the vision of God to be engaged in frontline evangelistic work for sowing the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, pulling believers together as they grow in the faith and launching a church as a testimony of the grace of God in that community. That's our vision. That's our goal. That's our objective. Uh, we currently have six active church plants. We're not a large mission. We have six active church plants, two in Arizona, uh, one in eastern Utah, and uh, three in the state of Colorado. We have several needs. And I want to just press upon your minds for prayer uh, one particular need. We have a church plant over in Kingman, Arizona. Kingman is located on Interstate 40 on the far west, northwest corner of the state of Arizona, just out the western side of the Grand Canyon. Our church plant there is about three years old. It was started by an older couple who had been involved in church planting their whole ministry and said, I think I still have one more church plant left in me. I have a burden for Kingman, Arizona. And so he and his dear wife moved up to Kingman and resigned from a church and, and started Kingman Bible Church. Four weeks ago, his wife, Bobby, was taken by air flight to Las Vegas, Nevada, in an emergency situation. I'm not a medical doctor, so I had to look this term up to understand what they were talking about. But she had an aorta dissection, which simply means that the aortic valve is falling apart. And if it completely destroys, you bleed out in a matter of minutes. They were able to get her to the hospital and... Uh, do surgical procedure and, and stabilize her. She's in rehab right now. I share that because one of my prayer concerns is that God would raise up a church planting team to come alongside Jerry and Bobby in Kingman, Arizona and take that ministry over and lead it forward to the glory of God. They physically, because of health issues, need to be stepping down. But uh, we could use church planters in a lot of places. And I've got a, a, a literature table downstairs and a display. Uh, please feel free to stop by and pick up some literature and learn more about Rocky Southwest Bible Church Extension and how you might be involved. Uh, maybe you're thinking this summer about an internship and you're saying, where could I maybe serve this year in, in this summer in an internship program? Talk to me. We'd love to have you come on board. Uh, musically gifted, doing children's work, youth work, uh, preaching, teaching. Uh, we'd love to put you into one of our church plants and, and uh, see firsthand some of the ongoing needs of, of church planting and, and the realistic uh, struggles that they face as they strive to bring the gospel of Christ into a community. Uh, we have a, a pressing need for those who are able to use the Spanish language. I just told you our geographical region. <laughs> I don't need to tell you the demographics for Hispanic ministries there. And we'd love to be involved with that and, and touching the Hispanic population in church planting. So that's some of the, the vision, some of the areas of, of focus that our mission engages in. Uh, we are not large in our personnel numbers, but we have a great God who desires to see the gospel of Christ impacting lives. And lives changed 
and church is planted. I've often challenged congregations when I talk to them about church planting. I'll encourage you, your Bible school students, uh, maybe you can correct me on this. Take your Bible sometime and start reading in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1 and read through the book of Revelation to the very last verse in the New Testament. If you can find any other statement whereby God says he will build something other than I will build my church, would you please show me? Jesus said, I will build my church. Rocky Southwest Bible Church Extension is committed to implementing the great commandment of Christ to take the gospel to all the world into local church planting. But what does ministry look like from a biblical perspective? And so I think take the time I have left with you and take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. As you well know, most of the New Testament was written by a church planter. The Apostle Paul was a missionary church planter who traveled throughout the Roman Empire. And wherever he went, when he left, there was a church plant taking place. Sometimes when he left, it was under very strenuous circumstances of life. Being chased out, being stoned, being left for dead, being escaping just by the... Uh, the, the grace of God. Uh, you read in Corinthians of all of the, the struggles that Paul went through, the tribulations, all of these things he says were upon me. And on top of this was the burden of the church as well. And so you're here at Montana Bible College and you're pouring your life into study. And as I mentioned earlier, academics is simply preparation. It's not an end to itself. It's not a, a goal to, to be achieved and say, well, now I've got that done. It is simply saying before God, Lord, I want to prepare my life to use it for your glory as you have gifted me to serve the body of Christ and to reach this world with the gospel. I believe that ministry is the heartbeat of every believer, or should be. How that ministry is fulfilled in that person's life relates to a number of other things. Number one, their giftedness by the Holy Spirit. Their calling. God does not call everyone to the pastoral ministry. But he, we'll see in just a moment, gives to all of us ministry. And so what does ministry look like from the perspective of the Apostle Paul? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I wish I had time to to teach and preach through this entire passage a little more in depth and more diligently than we have this morning. But in this passage, chapter 4, and on into chapter 5 as well, Paul gives us his perspective on, on ministry. The, the, the life of the believer serving their master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And for sake of helping us to recall I'm going to give you about six or seven words that I believe will be the pegs we can put our thoughts on as we look at this passage. They all start with the letter P. And that was providentially arranged because Patrick and Paul are here this morning. <laughs> but first of all, let's notice the provision of ministry that's given to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse number 1. 
Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So the first word is the word provision. God has provided to us a ministry. Seeing that we have this ministry. Now please understand that ministry is not something that we conjure up to ourselves or for ourselves. Ministry is something God provides to us by the working of His Holy Spirit in and through our lives. We have received ministry by the mercies of God. Once we understand that, we recognize that in in light of the, the awesomeness of being a child of God who has received by His mercy ministry, that is, serving then there are certain things that we, we do. First of all, he says, we don't faint. We don't lose heart. We don't throw in the towel. We don't call it quits. A few years ago, in one of my pastorates, I was going through a really difficult time. And yes, ministry does have its difficult times. We'll see that in just a moment here. And one of my elders came into my office one day on a Sunday before church, he says, Pastor, I have something for you. At that time, I didn't hardly trust anybody. I didn't know what I was going to expect. He handed me an envelope, and I thought, uh-oh, he's resigning. He's going to cut bait and run. I stuck it in my coat pocket and went through the services. And After services, I went back to my office and took that envelope out and opened it up. And this dear brother had stuck a little poem in that envelope and written a little message. Pastor, this is for you. I can't quote it today, but it simply was entitled, It's Too Soon to Quit. Paul says we have this ministry by the mercies of God and because of that mercy of God and and this ministry that He's entrusted to us, we do not lose heart. We don't faint. Then he also says we do something else. We are careful to guard how we fulfill that ministry. We don't do it with the deceitfulness and dishonesty. We don't do it with the, with the lack of integrity of life. He says, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. I don't want to be a, a doomsday type of fellow. But if you'll keep your listening ears on and your discernment open, you'll find there's a lot of people who stand before others claiming to be in the ministry and speak so dishonestly, corrupting the Word of God. He says, we don't walk in craftiness or we handle the Word of God deceitfully. So because of this, the nature of this ministry that we've received by the mercy of God, we're encouraged in our heart but we also guard the motivations of why we fu- or how we fulfill the ministry. And then we commend the results of that ministry to God. And so God has provided for us something, the provision of ministry in our life. Well, with that provision, then what's the prospect? What's the prospect of this ministry? Look at verse number three. 
But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. What is the prospect? That the light of the gospel should shine into the darkness of human hearts, and they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That those who are in the condemnation of sin would be released to the freedom of Christ. That those who are walking in darkness might turn to walk in light. That those who are in despair without hope might turn to live with an eternal hope. That's the prospect of our ministry. As God, in His mercy, gives us this ministry, He says, there's a prospect there. And the prospect is available because there is a need. Satan has blinded the eyes. But there is the prospect that this, this ministry would cause the light of the gospel to shine forth and break upon their hearts. And so how do we fulfill the ministry? Well, I've used the word preach in verse number 5. Proclamation. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. In ministry, it's always the exaltation of the Lord and the humbling of self. It's always the lifting up of the Savior in serving others. And in church planting in particular, when you go into a community where there's very little contact of, of uh, believers, the prospect of in that community, people coming to see the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ breaking forth in their soul is why we're there. To proclaim Jesus Christ. So we have a provision given to us by the mercy of God. We have a prospect of that ministry because in that ministry there is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore we preach, we proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ as we serve others. But notice in verses 6 and 7 there's a power in that ministry that's not our own. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we have this treasure, this treasure of the work of God's grace and salvation. We have this treasure in these earthen clay pots, these vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The one thing that enables us to fulfill ministry is the fact that the power within that ministry is not our own. the power of God. And the one who blinds the eyes of the lost is not as powerful as the one who said, let there be light and there was light. The one who holds in captivity in darkness, those who have not yet come to faith in Jesus Christ, is not as powerful as the one that said, let there be life and there is life. Because the eternal, omnipotent power of God is resident in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh-oh. Paul, why did you put these next verses in here? But we are troubled. Wait a minute. I don't like that. 
I like this talk about God providing me a ministry, that that ministry has prospect of changing lives, that there's the opportunity to preach and proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is a power. But wait a minute, there's also persecution. Opposition to the ministry. Paul says, we are troubled on every side, yet not uh, distressed, perplexed, and not in despair. He goes on to talk about the fact that as he pours out his life and experiences the persecution because of the ministry, it is a dying principle within him. In other words, he's coming to death. But as he does so, he's bringing forth life in others. And I cannot fully comprehend all of God's working. Probably none of us will ever be able to. But I do know this. That even in our own current time frame, as persecution escalates, God is still bringing life to others. When I began my ministry up in Sims over 40 years ago, I never dreamt that I would be ministering in a day when we would face some of the things we face today. Let me share this with you, students. If the Lord should tarry his catching away of his bride, and you have the joy and delight of serving him for 40 years, the society of that day will be far different than the society of this day. It changes. But the same God who brings the church through the the onslaughts of persecution, while that's even taking place, is giving life. Paul says, to me it's working death, but to you it's working life. Because the power of the gospel has been penetrating that wicked old city of Corinth. And a church was planted. So what's the purpose of this ministry? Well, let's see. Rocky Southwest Bible Church Extension's purpose is to put several more notches on Pastor Williamson's gun that we have so many churches now planted. No. The purpose is found in the beautiful phrase in verse number 15. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many Redound to the what? Glory of God. That's the purpose. All of ministry, whatever form it is, is to the glory of God. And so with these things in mind, then we need to understand that there's a perspective. That's our last word. There's a perspective that we have to have. And so look with me, if you would, at verse 16. For which cause, because all of this comes to the glory of God, we do not faint. He said in verse 1, we don't faint. He repeats it now. We do not faint. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Then he talks about the light afflictions of this world not being compared to, not being worthy to be compared with the eternal glory that is ours in Christ. And the passage really goes on into chapter 5 and he unfolds that whole expectation, that perspective 
that no matter what happens in our, in our ministry, should they take my head off, they can't head me off. Because I'm in Jesus Christ. This old earthly tabernacle might be folded up, but there's a heavenly body that I long to have someday. Then he concludes. Verse 9 of chapter 5. Wherefore we labor in this ministry that is ours by the mercy of God, that whether present or absent, we might be accepted of Him. Students, God has given you ministry. Many of you are fulfilling that in so many ways. But if you sense that God's field of ministry for you might include the joys and delights of breaking into a community with the gospel of Jesus Christ in church planting, I'd love to talk with you and share with you how we can network together to see the prospect of the ministry through the power of God come to fruition in the lives of people to the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you for these few moments to think upon these things that are from your word. The Apostle Paul unfolds for us in this passage just a, a, a lovely description of what it means to, to understand ministry and pour our lives into that for the purpose of glorifying God. For the prospect of seeing lost souls come to faith in Jesus Christ. To move and live and have our being in the power of the Omnipotent One. Bless these students, Lord, as they continue out this day and, and this year of studies. <coughs> unfold in their lives the perfect will of God as they serve you and fulfill their ministry to the glory of Christ, in whose name I pray.